This is GamesAtWork.biz, your weekly podcast about gaming, technology, and play. Your hosts are Michael Martin, Andy Piper, and Michael Rowe. The thoughts and opinions on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone and are not the opinions of any organization which they have been, are, or may be affiliated with. This is episode 396, GAN vs. GAN. Hello and welcome again to your weekly technology podcast, gamesatwork.biz. My name is Andy Piper and one of my co-hosts is joining me today. Uh, I am, for now, our continuity co-host for, for, for a number of shows, but uh, this week I've got Michael Martin with me. Hi, Michael. Hello, Andy. Good to be here with you. And yeah, we're just in and out because uh, it is uh, that kind of year and time of year when things happen. You got to be places, you got to do stuff. So thank you for being the continuity factor. Well, I've got a week off myself in a in a couple, but uh, <laughs> we will we will continue and uh, work things out here. Uh, we've got a, a bunch of links and stories to talk about, but we've kind of got a lot of stuff clustered around the topic of AI in general and OpenAI's Chat GPT in particular. So uh, why don't we kick off with some of these links? Yeah, let, let's do. So the, the first one that's up uh, kind of struck me was um, a Guy Parsons post about a GPT chat notion of it, it dream me a city, right? You know, use the the, the mechanism and uh, the and the corpus to imagine what a city might like might be like, and then mid journey now take me there. And when when I saw this, it's like to me, it said, well, um, you could then breathe reality into it by saying, create a three D environment uh, based upon all those things. So describe the city, uh, paint the city, make it three dimensionals, and make it available, and then teleport yourself into it and begin to live. So the the concept here for that tweet was this AI stuff is the real multiverse. Um, we thought I thought that was kind of fun, and then the the second one that kind of spurred all this for me was um, uh, a, a notion here by Joshua Browder, uh, who was talking about do not pay, uh, and this is a Chrome extension, and they're well. I was just gonna I was gonna pause before we move on to the to the second one of these tweets uh, because I want to just describe it a little more to our listeners in case they haven't seen um, the the link yet. So this is Guy Parsons on Twitter, and he's. Uh, connected a few few dots here. So he's asked ChatGPT, which is um, has come out this week or the last within the last sort of ten days, um, kind of got really big. Everybody's talking about it, and it's a um, a system which um, is similar to the previous generative text um, engines uh, AIs, if you like. Um, but this one particularly can hold contact, so you can chat with it. So you, you can uh, you can you can have more of a conversational thing. And in this case, he in step one, he's asked uh, GPT to dream him a city. So he's got a bunch of text in his. He's got four images attached to the tweet. He's got a bunch of text describing this beautiful, you know, um, mythical city called Mirage. And then he takes that description and he feeds it to one of the image AIs. Uh, called Mid Journey, which is uh, one that I know that our friend Epred has played with and, and, and has enjoyed, as well as Dali and others. Guy Parsons describes himself as a, a Dali and Mid Journey adventurer in his Twitter bio. 
and get gives that description to to Midjourney and asks to to see what that city might look like in the in the imagination or creation of the of, of that engine. So I think it is really interesting that you can sort of chain these things together. We know already that the image generation engines are seem to perform better when they're given more specific uh, information and phrase it in particular ways. Uh, and the other thing I was going to say is that the first time I read this, because I guess we talk about this so often, I my mind, my brain, my eyes substituted the word metaverse for multiverse. Uh, so it says this, this AI stuff is the real multiverse, and I read that as metaverse initially um, because I definitely think that there are elements of these technologies, so these um, machine learning human-trained models that can enable discovery and generation of new different things um, or connections to information may be part of the metaverse, may be the things that potentially tie augmented reality to uh, information that exists elsewhere and, 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 and goes beyond that and actually becomes creative. That was a lot of words, but um, I just wanted to sort of paint a paint a picture in listeners' minds a little bit. I'm glad you did. I didn't. I didn't mean to rush past it. Um, and and you're you're right because this is the sort of thing where everything kind of comes together, right? Text is like code for the brain, right? When you think about it, right? The painting of the picture and the way that you just described and the storytelling that comes out of the GPT chat kind of an engine allows for that sort of thing, which allows then the subsequent image generation engines to do something rather fantastical, right? I don't want to pander to a listener base of one here, but um, I am <laughs> I am reminded to some extent of Ian Hughes's science fiction writing with his series of, so far his series of two novels, and where he may take that in the future, where he may be inspired to take that in future based on this kind of uh, work. So um, his second book is called Context, and I'm looking at this and thinking there's a ton of contextual stuff here, right? And mm -hmm. it's important for us to explain that we are talking about something that is generate, is, is prompted in our minds, the conversation is prompted by this thing that this other person has done with these technologies. It's it's contextual, so I think this is I think this is interesting. But let, let's move on to how this is being used in other ways or misused in, in in different ways or ways that people aren't quite sure about. Yeah, I, you know, so on that front, and, and we didn't have this in the show run already, but there are ways that image generation is being used uh, in uh, potentially challenging functions. Like um, the, the example that springs to mind there is Lenza. Mm. Um, I've not personally used Lenza for anything, but I've read several articles about it, and we'll find them, we'll throw them in the show notes so you can check them out too. But the, the notion there is you're uploading, uh, I think it's like 10 to 20 photos of yourself. Yeah. You pay a certain fee, and then the environment uh, will generate images based upon that that might uh, show you as a warrior, uh, show you as a statesman, show you as a uh, uh, anything. I mean, just it, it, the the imagination or the AI runs supreme, right? And so, so it's also important to note that Lenser is not a new thing. Um, the the app, yes. the, 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 this is actually um, the same app 
that's been around for a while. Um, it was called something different, I think, when it first came out. Uh, I'm trying to find the name of it. But it's basically using a stable diffusion style uh, AI generator. Prisma. Prisma is the, uh, the original thing. Prisma oh, Labs yeah. created, uh, created Lenser. And uh, lots of people have been uploading, as you say, I think up to 10 images of yourself. And it will then, for a price, um, throw back a bunch of different looks and, and, and modifications of that image uh, or your, your face essentially mapped into different sort of styles. And it's very clever and it's very fun to do because everybody likes to sort of see what they might look like from a different, you know, perspective. But certainly when, when Prisma Labs first started, there was a lot of questions about what they were doing with, with the images and, you know, could we trust well, it was a, it was in the wake of Cambridge Analytica and other things, and could we trust uh-huh. the actors involved in all of this? Um, there was a story I read from my friend uh, Hire, uh, over who's now over at TechCrunch, and uh, he wrote this week about how that same thing can be tricked into creating not safe for work images. So yes, uh, that was a bit of a side uh, a side. Uh, rabbit hole from the the run of show that we'd put together here let's let's talk about yep. uh your favorite topic which is uh, uh getting getting things uh cheaper yeah well <laughs> it is one of mine and, and that's uh, what happens in a lot of cases so joshua browder has this uh, uh tweet about do not pay uh and this is a uh, chrome extension where you can say something along the lines the example they have here is negotiate my comcast bill my uh, uh uh, cable television bill down. And for those of you who've been through customer retention processes in the past, you probably know how fun and exciting that can be. And if you had an AI that did that for you, so there's a chat interface with your provider of services, and this chat interface can now be engaged by a uh, GPT type of chat bot on your behalf, it could negotiate your bill down while you just um, enjoy the net uh, Netflix movie, and then you have a lower cable bill. So that'd be kind of fun, right? Well, absolutely, it would be. But uh, again, I, I don't know if you remember Do Not Pay. Do Not Pay isn't building a Chrome extension, but Do Not Pay has been around for longer. It's been around for six or seven years already. Uh, and it's the app that, that built the, the, the folks that built the robot lawyer that could basically start challenging your parking fines and things. Yeah, and, and getting money back for airlines and, and what, whether you missed a flight or something exactly like that. Exactly right, exactly right. Mm-hmm. So what they are now doing is saying, look, we can use these new models, these new um, what, what we call uh, AI uh, tools to build something that's even more effective at arguing these cases and actually following these uh you know these automated processes to to and find ways around them to to get you your get your uh, your money back. Um, there's actually a story on them or, or about them in Forbes as well, which we 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 um, we haven't linked in our uh, show notes. But um, yeah, I think it's, it's super fun, and I think the idea that this is being built into a, literally being built into a Chrome extension, uh, so that you can just. Get, get to get you uh, your Comcast bill cheaper. That's uh, that's super fun. Really interesting. Really interesting way of making potentially valid use of this technology. And again, I'm being really careful. Um, let's talk about what this technology is again. 
Yeah. So, so the technology that we're really talking about here, this open AI set of capabilities is in, in many ways uh, when they're uh, working with one another. So a chat bot talking to a chat bot and trying to uh, negotiate for advantage between the two of them really is the notion of a GAN, a generative adversarial network, which is a kind of machine learning. I'm mm -hmm. reading from Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. So if mm -hmm. I'm sounding smarter than I really am, then that's where it comes from. Uh, but but again, that's the whole point here. You can be smarter than than you right. are because the result of all these sort of things, that these these generative adversarial networks are where you set two machine learning algorithms against one another uh, and find out who wins. Right. So, so a very layperson version of this is uh, you want to find the M&M that is the champion of the bunch by taking two M&Ms between your fingers, squishing them. And the one that doesn't crack is the champion. And use that for your next set of M&Ms as you try to improve and improve and improve. So so let's now turn this around and talk about uh, ways in which this may not be so useful. Um, so there's been a ton of chat that I've been reading and uh, I've been talking to others about this week around um, youngsters, for example, um, getting ChatGPT to, to do their homework for them. Uh, I remember one of my colleagues, uh, former colleagues, uh, posting on Mastodon saying, you know, his son had heard about this and just said, well, that's, you know, that's now school sorted for me. Um, but, <laughs> but, but, but much more in my domain, because this is somewhere that I live online, uh, earlier this week, Stack Overflow uh, decided to temporarily ban answers generated by ChatGPT because they were finding that actually the, the the answers have a habit of looking and sounding realistic, but mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they don't, are not necessarily real at all. So people can just say to ChatGPT, hey, how do I do this? ChatGPT throws something back at you. Sometimes it gets gives you some useful code or it gives you the absolutely spot-on answer, but other times it sounds authoritative and isn't. And then in order to then unwind that and fix that, the way that Stack Overflow works as an as a as a question and answer site is that it relies on reputation, it relies on experts, it relies on people upvoting, downvoting, um, inaccurate information, improving one another's answers. And a lot of these things are, require specialist knowledge um, when in coding um, realms. So the amount of work that the moderator communities now had to to sort of go and uh jump into to to find identify these these questions as, as say the answers may be looking may may look at first glance authoritative i was trying to find a reference for this and i haven't found it while we've been um discussing from the top of the show but i know that this came up on the bbc this week on on radio 4 on the today program because rory kathleen jones who whose book you and I have both mm -hmm. enjoyed, uh, yep. Michael, he uh, he went on to talk about this technology because it's been making a lot of noise this week. And uh, he got it to write a a uh, bio of uh, the show's host, Justin Webb, I believe. Um, this is from memory, so I may have got this wrong. <laughs> nice. But anyway, and, and I can't... I can't Quickly put lay my hands on the on the link. If I find it, then we'll add it to the show notes. But it, it, sure. it you know it, again, it it looked fine, but it was wrong. Um, it, it claimed that he'd written two books that he'd never written. I've seen other people. In fact, I think Benedict Evans, who we frequently refer to on our show, um, also found that it was 
it was matching the kind of corporate style bio that you'd expect when you ask for a bio, but mm-hmm. um, had factual errors that were significant and are the kinds of things that would, you know, get you in trouble four or five years down the line in a job if if they discovered that actually you if hadn't you just used you it. hadn't been to Harvard after all, you know. Um, so yeah, it's it's another one of those cases and we come across them very often where we see something get a lot of excitement very quickly and I'm sure there'll be a phase of things settling down. There's been a lot already been some people saying this is no good. Uh, this is dangerous. This should be banned. Um, and and I'm sure there'll be a phase of it settling down. But the, you can definitely see the the sparks of value, if that is of any kind of useful metaphor, which it's not. But anyway. You know, so a couple of reactions to what you just said, and, and, and there's like at least six going through <laughs> my head at the same time. So l- l- last night I had the opportunity to be at a, a leadership reception for the North Carolina School of Science and Math, and this topic came up there too from a, you know, that school sorted for me perspective. Um, there are tools and technologies out there to take a look at papers that are written to search for plagiarism, to search for uniqueness of ideas, uh, to search for uh, just plain old copy paste. So uh, something like ChatGPT is great because it's going to insert enough randomness in there that at first glance, it will be very difficult to determine if something was plagiarized. And it's not like, you know, at the end of every paper, it says generated for you by chat GBT version 3.5. So it doesn't exist. So it is a, it is a really intriguing game changer from a school perspective. And Andy, you you may smile, you might not, uh, but I brought you up not by name, but by persona uh, where I said, you know, I've got a friend who has said that one of his superpowers in the past was his ability to effectively use Google search. And so there is now a set of capabilities that would be, can you effectively write a prompt that'll generate for you what it is that you need? Thank you. And, and yes, you, you, you're spot on. That was indeed something that, that that's, that's been said before by, by me and others and, 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 and around me. And, uh, which I'm grateful for, but you said something right at the very start of that your 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 section there, which was you were having at least six parallel thoughts. Now this is fascinating to me. When we talk talk about these technologies, yes, one of the things that the human mind, in my opinion, has today a unique ability, and it may science may prove me wrong, but I be- I firmly believe that the human mind's ability to instantaneously set off those six different threads of thought and ideas and connections and find those things. Mm-hmm. I was talking to somebody this week about some of these tools and they are responding to stimulus, right? They are responding to an input and they are using yes. knowledge that they have learned to from, from other input to respond to that input and produce some output. Now, what they rarely do and may not be ever capable of doing to the same extent that we are, in my opinion, is synthesizing that data in wholly unforeseen ways, right? So our, we could be having a conversation and as we go along, as, as this, this has just happened, 
um, I suddenly think, oh, that's an interesting thing that Michael just said, and then can come back and, and riff on that. It's mm. very difficult, I, I think, to, uh, to for, for computers and algorithms to do that today. Um, now, oh, listeners will know that one of the reasons we do this show is because we're fascinated by all of this stuff and we, we are huge geeks and nerds and into tech, right? But uh, I... I do think that what we are seeing today is a refinement of machine learning capabilities, deep learning capabilities, the ability to do things that at speed based on the information and the and the comp- computational power that we now have available. But I don't see much that comes to the point of synthesizing and creating entirely new content and ideas and concepts. So we joke all the time about Skynet, uh, or at least I've, yeah. I've made it into a bit of a running theme and thread for the show in the past. But the likelihood, and this is actually going to come up in, in just a, in a few links time if we have time to, to get there today, the likelihood of um, AI having making the independent choice to do something really bad, <laughs> Inde- you know, making an independent choice that is not programmed it's a choice um like skynet saying you know the the best way to solve this problem is to wipe out all human life um eliminated at its source know, uh yeah is um yeah i still think is is remarkably small because we are in charge we provide the knowledge well and and uh we we provide a perspective on what truth is too mm. um i i'm reminded of the Cobert definition of truthiness. Mm. And there's almost the notion here too of uh, our own personal GANs that are taking on board what stimuli comes in and making the assessment critical thinking of is this right or wrong? Mm-hmm. Is this in the right direction or not? Um, so I could see, and then again, not too distant future, uh, an Andy bot that has an Andy corpus to it. And I could subscribe to it and say, hey, um, when you read this with the Andy lens on it, do you know uh, that these six, seven, eight things that are in here sound right, but they're not, you know, you know, (laughs) nobody eats Vegemite, you know, in Belgium. Are you crazy? Right. You know, that doesn't happen. So there there are things like that that I think um, will, will also come about and may well then be filters on top of filters and you're having the <laughs> you're having your bot as analyze what my bot says that says what the thing says that came through our feed and to determine whether or not we should even read it or believe it or whether we might be interested enough to spend even a nanosecond of time on it we have this we have this um i'm, I'm just scrolling back through our archive because we had this within the last couple of months as well about the idea of uh having a you know a bot that was the games at work bot that could kind of describe what games mm-hmm. at work was and how it existed and all those kind of things I'm, I'm failing to find um the specific story now but it, I, it wasn't that long ago we should we should we should um, very quickly hit on these other two though that um the, yeah. the 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 chinese students um invisibility cloak that, that that's uh fooling ais um there's a great story from vice about that um and then also, of course, the rollback of a, a choice 
that was made um, in San Francisco a week or so ago. Yeah. Um, to uh, en- enable the the uh, the SFPD um, to use uh, remote control robots as a deadly force option, and originally that was going to be allowed, um, and uh, now it's not going to be allowed. Now again, people conflate AI and robots. <laughs> um, who's in charge? Of who's times. in charge of the robot? Uh, is it okay to to use a robot to kill somebody? Uh, if there's serious risk uh, to members of the public or, or, or so on, is it any different to using uh, a bomb disposal robot to destroy a bomb? And there's, there's a story here about this being having happened in Dallas. It was actually used to kill an individual. Um, I, I, I think there's a whole series of issues with this story and with this particular case um, to do with militarization of the police, trust in authority, generally killing people, whether it's right or wrong. Um, is it, a, is it, is it different? But either way, there's a, there's a, this isn't saying we're going to let independent robots with their own artificial intelligence roam the streets and just choose to kill people. This is a choice of a tool for a role for a job that would still be driven by, by people. Um, complicated and challenging. The cold and the logic has to be there for that too, right? So, you know, we, we might be tempted to think about science fiction. And again, science fiction turns the science fact pretty easy. If, if you imagine a robot like Data from mm-hmm. the Star Trek universe, that's a different characteristic than a machine with, uh, with cameras and lenses and programming that just says go and find, seek, and uh, disable a, a potential explosive device or a uh, a person that may be considered an explosive device that also needs to be disassembled. We should also very, very briefly hit on uh, our friend Ian again. It's another show dominated by <laughs> references to Ian, but he uh, he, he posted something <laughs> on Mastodon uh, about, uh, I, know, I know for a fact that he's been exploring his personal archives lately. And uh, he posted some some time some some images from back in our days in Second Life and uh, gathering around virtual campfires and then using uh, Mid Journey to uh, now sort of imagine what those those spaces those uh, spaces might look like, which was which was super fun. But let's um let's end up by 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 changing up and and doing a, a couple of quick hits, um which are which are outside of that very philosophical space we've been in for the last uh, half hour. I know you and I and Michael have been long, uh, long been fans of Waze from all the way back when Waze was sort of a an independent company and and a, and a user taught company, right? So so it was originally mm-hmm. um, figuring out where the roads were because it was encouraging people. It was it was uh, gamifying um, the you ri- driving around and, and and letting it discover where the roads were before it was uh, finally acqu- acquired by Google and. Uh, Yep. Road munching was what it was That's called. Right. Yes, but um, a couple of stories there this week. They finally now, they, so they were acquired by Google some time ago, but they've been an independent app for the longest time and still are. Uh, a couple of stories that came up this week. One was about Waze finally getting their own uh, in-car app that, that's sort of separate from you running Android Auto or, uh, or CarPlay. Um, that was a mm-hmm. story on the verge, uh, and evidently they've done a deal with uh, Renault in the, the French car maker to do that. Um, so that's 
kind of interesting. I've always wondered why it wasn't combined fully with Google Maps, to be honest well, with you. Well, indeed. You know, after such a long time, the technology base is essentially the same. Um, well, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know what the technology base is, but you're dealing with you'd, maps. You'd, you'd have to assume that at least dealing, the, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a few other things on ways where you've got sort of the, yeah. you know, the, the alerting, the reporting of, of, of live issues, and, and then you've got sort of a very thin veneer of social network um, that's been yep. massively deprioritized uh, over what it used to be. But um, yeah, today they finally announced, um, or yesterday, in fact, they announced that they're going to merge ways into the the Geo team uh, at Google and uh, fully sort of combining them into into the Maps division, I guess. So, and they're getting yep. rid of Waze's Waze's independence in, in the sense that it won't have a an independent CEO anymore. Super intriguing. And then and again, it took an awful 20, long time. Yeah, there we go. 2013, it was acquired for uh, just over a billion dollars. Yeah. Um, which was, yeah, a huge, huge deal. And I've really enjoyed using it. And, and I, I, I'll, they claim that it's going to continue as a separate thing. So we'll we'll see. We'll see. Especially, that's going to be curious now that they've done that deal to be an independent thing on one car, brand of car, whether or not that, that sort of cements their, their role as a separate thing to Google Maps. What have we got? We've got two more things. Do we want to do both of these? Let's talk about both of them super quickly because oh, uh, I've just teased yeah. that we've got two more links. But uh, <laughs> we're going we're, we're gonna to run a little long here. But uh, we've got uh, one thing that I found um, that was on Mastodon this week. I follow the, uh, the this was follow great. a retro gaming sort of community and retro computing community on, on Mastodon. And this was a really fun one from Nathan Bird. Um, now I've never come across this game, so this is a Tandy game um, called uh, Dungeons of Daggerath, and I'd never come across it. But I mean, you can tell by the look of it; it's uh, it's very sort of eight-bit looking characters on you know um, ASCII type characters on on black screen dungeon game. But they've actually ported this into WebAssembly, so WebAssembly lets you run uh, essentially C type compiled code inside um, a web browser, in an, in an engine running in a web browser. So Online will let you go play it. I tried to play it and failed miserably very, very fast to make sense of it, but I didn't. also didn't read enough of the, uh, the information. Yep, I, I, I vaguely remember playing oh, really? this, that uh, the Tandy computing system was, um, uh, those in the US might remember Radio mm. Shack uh, and uh, the TRS, a 80 mm -hmm. i think and the color computer and the other ones like that were some intriguing initial things and so it, it was a long time ago and this inspired uh, a number of different dungeon related games so cool stuff kind of neat that you can play it on the screen and uh, make sure you have your volume turned down just <laughs> when you when you start the audio because it will um uh you'll, you'll remember that sound <laughs> if you played it before you'll remember the sound uh, and and maybe the the last one that we'll touch, uh, which is uh, uh, Vanuatu. Vanuatu, right? um, I think. Vanuatu, Vanuatu, yes, Vanuatu um, has encountered a, a terrible itch, a situation where nobody. What is it, what does it say here? No one could use their government email accounts. Then things got worse uh, so because they had no connection to any of their IT environments and had to go back to paper for everything. I, you know, when I first read this um, story earlier today, it's an NPR, um, but it was from a few days ago. Uh, I somehow managed to confuse Vanuatu with Tuvalu. 
which is another I, similar, similar Pacific nation. First, of course, right? Tuvalu is famous because it has the .tv uh, domain, top-level yes. domain name. Anyway, yes, yeah, so this is um, – so Vanuatu is uh, north of New Zealand, I believe. And, uh, yeah, apparently they, there was a government transition um, mm-hmm. back here at the beginning of November, and uh, it turned out that some at some point – and it's, the, the story is not entirely clear – as to what the cause was, they were they were essentially uh, all of the systems, computer systems for the entire country. Uh, Three hundred twenty thousand people um, in in Vanuatu uh, were unable to use um, their systems. Australia is helping them to to get back from it, and it sounds like it's probably a ransomware type attack. But uh, yeah, not good. A glitch in the matrix that uh, hasn't ended very well. I'm I'm sure that those of us that spend so much of our time online would uh, struggle um, in such a situation. It's not like you can switch from your your Wi-Fi to your cell reception or, you know, go to go to Starbucks and hop on the Wi-Fi there. If you uh, if something goes wrong at home, the, the, <laughs> the entire country is uh, – and it's a distributed country, so scary. Well, we, we, we had a similar thing here in North Carolina too that, um, that, that did make the news. I saw a Guardian article on it. In fact, uh, we're in Moore County, which is just a, a little ways away from Michael and I here in uh, the Durham and Chapel Hill environment. This is uh, Southern Pines, Pinehurst, uh, that kind of area. So if you're a golf fan, you've probably heard of it. Um, they had several um, transformers uh, get attacked simultaneously. And it knocked out power to uh, uh, 30,000 people. Um, it's, it was just incredible. This is why you should never trust the Decepticons. <laughs> yeah, you, well, you, well, you shouldn't. I mean, these are, these are transformers. They're, they're, they're just protected by a, a chain link fence. And, uh, those Decepticons managed to get Wes, past it really, really quickly. Wes. But in all seriousness, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a weakness. Uh, just like in here in Vanatu, Van- Vanatu, uh, th- they had a weakness from their cybersecurity perspective. Uh, a chain link fence does not take away a, de- a dedicated person or group of people who decide that they want to take out uh, electrical transformers. And when that happens, you don't have refrigeration, you don't have uh, cell towers with power, so you don't have internet. And uh, it's, a, it's a different story for a lot of people in a rather quick moment. <laughs> Well, that's uh, we've 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 oh, we've run a, lot, a little long, and um, there was a lot of stories, a and that's long. a bit of a downer to end up on. But uh, it's been fun. It's been we we had a really good conversation there, um, diving deep on a, on a few topics. So thank you, Michael, for your company this week and yours. This was good fun. I, I enjoyed it, Andy. Uh, you should uh, make sure to check out our website, gamesatwork.biz. Uh, check the show notes. Follow up some of these links. The stories are a lot more interesting than uh, Michael and I have given you summaries for. And uh, we look forward to having you join us again on a future episode of gamesatwick.biz. See ya. See ya. You've been listening to gamesatwork.biz, the podcast about gaming technology and play. We are part of the Blueberry Podcasting Network and would like to thank the band Random Encounters for their song, Big Blue. You can follow us on Twitter at gamesatwork underscore biz or at our website at gamesatwork.biz. Gamesatwork.biz.